Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich from CapturingTheCharmLife.com. If you are a homeschool mama challenged by doubt, not sure you can do this homeschool thing. If you're a homeschool mama challenged by overwhelm, there are just too many things to do. Or if you are a homeschool mama unsure that the way you're showing up in your homeschool isn't the way you want to be showing up in your homeschool, then this is the podcast for you. I'm here to encourage you in your homeschool journey to help you strategize ways to turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. So welcome homeschool mama. Hey, do you want to capture your charmed homeschool? I know that when I went into homeschooling, I most definitely thought that every day was going to be a charmed homeschool day. And not so much. I talk about turning homeschool challenges into homeschool charms. You want to know why? I think subconsciously, I wrote my blog title as Capturing the Charmed Life because it wasn't my existence. I had lots of challenges. Like, lots of challenges beyond my homeschool challenges. I didn't know who I was. I didn't have a sense of boundary. I had a very high reactivity. And I figured that out, or I began to figure that out, before my kids were homeschooled, but not much before. So the whole process of learning how to spin or turn or reframe my challenges into my charms, to create perspective, to shift my mental space from this is all just a lot and too much to I actually really like my life and I'm really grateful for everything that I've got. Well, there were a lot of steps along the way. A lot of relationships that got some major shakeups and frankly, just a lot of growth and intentional learning. And homeschooling gave me a whole different kind of challenge. Because not only are we parenting and every parent finds challenge in facing themselves as they face their mini mirrors, but homeschool parents get to do that more often, like all the time. So why do I talk about turning our homeschool challenges into our homeschool charms? Because everybody has challenges along the way. They're all different. We all have different challenges, and some of them are common challenges in homeschooling. But we all signed up for homeschooling so we can enjoy the freedoms of homeschooling, the charm of homeschooling. So we have to be intentional about turning our challenges into our charms. In the upcoming mentoring group, Capturing the Charmed Homeschool, I share the most important elements to creating your charmed homeschool. Can you create perfection? No, I'm not even suggesting that we are going to get anywhere near perfect because you are human, your kids are human, all the major people in your life are human. So we won't make a perfect homeschool. But we can definitely garner all the benefits and the charms of the homeschool life if we're intentional. So here are the elements to creating your charmed homeschool. Together, we will build your confidence, enable you to engage your kids in a home education that is individualized, and help you to show up 
the way that you want to show up in your homeschool. You need to gain confidence. You need to know why you're homeschooling. You need to know why you're homeschooling because why you homeschool influences how you homeschool and how you homeschool definitely influences how happy you will be homeschooling. So you need to know your why before you plan. Know what you think about what an education is and what your specific children need. Be certain that your vision of what homeschooling is like or what it could be like, especially in the beginning, is going to shift. And it's frankly, it's going to shift every year. Sometimes it shifts in the year, a few times in the year. It depends on what's happening in your life. Certainly, your original reasons for homeschooling will not necessarily be the reasons that you continue homeschooling or the reasons that you homeschooled right towards the end. You need to understand what your personal vision is and how your personal vision influences your homeschool vision. Because who you are as a person, how you choose to show up in your life, how you choose to address those questions about why are you here? What is your specific reason for being on the earth at this time? Understanding who you are and what your actual vision for your life is will directly affect your homeschool vision. Let's create a homeschool vision for you that you can craft for this year. You want to gain clarity. How do you create an intentional homeschool? Well, you need to start with this question. What is an education anyway? Have you determined what you believe is a valuable education for your child? Now, I'm not talking about 300 kids in the local school. I'm not speaking to the classroom of 25. I'm speaking to you about the number of children you have. And if you have 25, then my hats are off to you. But still, you get to determine what is an education anyways. Educato is the root Latin word for the word education. It means to raise up. To raise up what, I ask? To raise up a school system? To raise up a school classroom? Nope. To raise up your specific child. So how do you want to raise them up? We're going to talk about recognizing the differences between school and home education because obviously they're different, but actually not obviously. I created a private school in my home in the first few years of homeschool. It wasn't my intention to bring school to home, but it was what I knew. Gradually, I learned to let go of the elements of a school that I didn't want in my home. You get to plan an individualized education for your unique children. You can, you don't have to, Certainly, the school system isn't expecting you to do that. And certainly, there's a lot of people around you that think that you're going to create an education that is exactly like the school. And you're going to use the curriculum just as the school. And the tests and the grades and the programs and the diplomas and the you fill in the blank. But you are probably expected by someone in your world to do things the way the school has always done them. But you don't have to. You can if it works for you, if it works for your family, but you don't have to. You can create an individualized education for each of your children. 
There's a lot of talk about de-schooling these days. The concept of de-schooling sounds radical. It is. It might not be intended that way, but we're going to talk about the purpose of de-schooling. De-schooling is really just letting go of all the stuff that you have preconceived notions about how you're supposed to do an education in your home. But how do you do de-schooling? That's the question. How do you actually do it? Now, note to self, I'm still in the process. I think anyone that has been conventionally educated probably is still in the process. And the occasional person declares, actually, I'm good. I'm out of the mental space of being in a school, of creating a schooled education at home. For most of us, that is where we're at. We're still challenged and learning how to take school out of our home. But how do you do day schooling? We're going to talk about that. How to homeschool without becoming a teacher. Isn't that one of the biggest questions that people ask next to, I don't know, how are your children going to socialize? Or does the school give your kids the curriculum? Are you a teacher? They ask. Well, some of us are, but some of us aren't. And we can't opt out by saying we have a teacher certificate because we're not. We're not certified teachers. But do you need to be a certified teacher to homeschool? Do you have to homeschool as a homeschool teacher? We're going to talk about learning to become your child's learning consultant or educational facilitator, if you want to sound really educationese. Because that's the ultimate goal, is that you're enabling that child to grow up, to become who they are. You're learning to be your child's learning consultant, so you can help them become who they were meant to be. To find learning opportunities, to find apprenticeships, to find mentors, to find courses and classes and resources and curriculum and activities or to not find all those things, but that is your goal, is just to be their learning consultant or their educational facilitator. We're going to talk about homeschool philosophies because they're useful for you to discover different ways of approaching learning and education and learning opportunities in your home. If you've homeschooled long enough, you're probably calling yourself eclectic. Well, most of us. But that's the thing. We take little bits from all these different homeschool philosophies because we like them and we customize them to our specific homeschooled kids and the way that we like to approach learning and an education. But I'm going to tell you that you also don't need to determine your homeschool philosophy to engage a home education from one homeschool mama to another, I'm going to assign homework. Yes, homework, because this mentoring group was intended for homeschool moms that will actually dig deep into themselves to determine who they really are, what they really think, and engage the stuff that really matters. I provide a homeschool mama reading list to expand our vision and our ideas about what an education is anyways. Of course, these are books that I've read over the course of a long time and not within four weeks. So I encourage you just to take one book and read it over the course of a month or two 
You need to know how you want to show up in your homeschool. I keep using those words, showing up. But you know what it's like to be a homeschool mom and you just have so much going on and you have different kids with different demands and they're not the only ones that are demanding things from you. There are people outside of your homeschool realm. There are people that you're volunteering with. There's jobs that you've got. There's other significant relationships that you're engaging. And all of those people have expectations of you. It's easy just to respond to expectations and do what is right in front of us to do. And there is usually a kid right in front of us that is asking us something. It's also really easy to assume that whatever somebody else wants from us is therefore the thing that we should be doing. And it's just as easy to react, be triggered, be consumed by a ribbon of frustration, irritation, overwhelm, all those feelings that most humans have at times. We all have them, but do we want our homeschools to be dominated by them? We get to determine how we show up. But that assumes that we need to understand who we are. Also, how we relate to others. It assumes that we've done an exploration in our own identity, in our own world, in our own mental space before we show up to homeschool. And I don't know about you, but I didn't. You've got to become you while living alongside others. I'm borrowing a term from the counseling world. It's the word self-differentiation. You being fully you while also supporting, encouraging, and enjoying the other person right beside you that is not you at all. If you're married or partnered or have a best friend and you can be vulnerable and open and authentic with them, you know that you don't think the same way they do. No matter how much you love them and no matter how long they've been in your life, no matter how much you want to honor what they think, you don't necessarily see the world the same way. But learning to live alongside them, to be yourself, but different, self-differentiated, it is both a challenge and also what we are called to do when we're in relationship. So we're going to talk about becoming us while living alongside others. We're going to create goals to help us show up the way that we want to show up in our homeschools. We're going to talk about creating learning opportunities or recognizing that those learning opportunities are already there. We're going to learn about our family members because who our kids are or the significant people that actually influence our homeschool, who they are will show up throughout our homeschool days. If we understand how they learn, if we understand how they relate or they connect or where they're at in their development, that will all make it a whole lot easier to engage their actual learning. But let's talk about what an under, a learning opportunity really is. We could talk about school subjects, and I do, because that's what most of us understand when we speak about conventional education. We think about math and language arts or English or writing or cursive or spelling or grammar. We think about languages, foreign languages. We think about logic and economics and politics and 
so many more that I'm not saying right now. So many different subjects, and it is useful for our brains to categorize all of those different subjects. But it isn't always useful in a home education to compartmentalize subjects if we're really trying to get the most out of an education to raise up our child, our specific child, and encourage them to capitalize on who they are, what their skills are, enable them to use those aptitudes in ways that will make them purposeful and joyful, and maybe even monetize that joy and that purpose so that they can support themselves and support their community or their family members. That's the goal is to raise up those children so they can do that stuff. And if we're doing that, then probably instead of thinking about all the subjects they need to capture, we need to actually capitalize on learning opportunities that help them develop all of that. We're going to engage the basics, the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic, arithmetic, but it's clever, and all the other subjects in how you can actually find learning opportunities in those things. We are going to intentionally observe how our children learn. We can pay attention. We can learn from them when we watch them for a week or a month. And yet they'll change and they'll grow and they will focus in possibly a different approach or a different direction. So there is no permanence in observing how they learn at this just one moment in time. Their brains are growing, they're growing. But the more we focus on how they learn, the more we're able to let loose the reins of how we're delivering an education. So of course, we're going to delve into some child development and learning challenges. This in itself could be a course alone, and we could have deep discussions about all sorts of different learning challenges. But we're going to go through a little bit of this just to establish the reality that who our kids are at this moment in time because of their development is influencing their education, and your homeschool. Same thing with learning challenges, as I can imagine if any homeschool mom is out there that has a child with learning challenges or learning differences, you will definitely know that intricately. Ask yourself, what do you want your child to actually learn? We don't have to determine the curriculum that the state or the province or a particular country is offering to determine what we want to engage our kids in in their learning. You can. It can certainly be a way to gain ideas, but there are a lot of other ways to gain ideas. And I would encourage you to find other ways to gain those ideas because when you follow the path of what the school does, they break things down so intricately that you will surely feel overwhelmed by all the learning outcomes that you understand that somebody else in your local area believes is very important for your child to learn. And sometimes they are. And sometimes the things that they prescribe are actually things that they will naturally learn because of child development. And sometimes they will not learn about astronomy when they're in grade three, but they learned about it in kindergarten. Or they won't learn about human physiology until they're in nursing school. It is okay if they don't learn things at the same time that other kids are learning them. You can ask yourself, what do you want your child to learn? And it's not necessarily compartmentalized in subjects either. It could be, I want my child to learn how to manage their checkbook before they leave home. Which totally dates me, because does anybody use checks anymore? 
What does your child want to learn? My kids certainly asserted their interests very quickly. I remember my three-year-old being very interested in undersea creatures, so we grabbed an undersea creature sticker book. I still have that sticker book. And though she has not decided to be a marine biologist, she has enrolled in ballet school and an arts degree program across the country in September, she is definitely got a lot of knowledge under her belt about all things undersea. And it was when she was three that she began that interest, and she's developed all sorts of different interests along the way. She uh, There's a specific podcast where I interviewed her, where we explore her interests into cooking, into sciences of all sorts, into ballet, into medicine. She had all sorts of interests along the way. But certainly, there always comes a time when your child tells you that they really like learning something or they're really interested in something, or if they're left to their own devices, you discover that they're doing that thing again. Well, capitalize on that thing, because you can probably make that thing into a giant curriculum that they actually want to show up for, or at least a couple of activities you could do in a day that they're fully engaged in. How do you incorporate play into your homeschool day? We talk about this one in the Capturing the Charmed Homeschool Mentoring Group, for two reasons. One, there's a lot of research coming out right now that says that play is actually learning and learning is actually play. The greatest way for us to learn and really grasp onto something is like when we actually want to do it. Surprise. We know that. We know that for ourselves. Have you ever been in a classroom when you sat down and you were listening to the grade two teachers speak about the science experiment at the front which, by the way, actually happened to me while I had another child on my lap as I was waiting for my grade two kid to finish her science class. She was watching the lovely grade two teacher who was truly lovely. The grade two teacher was showing the kids how and why popcorn popped. They were supposed to be quiet as they listened. And so they did, except for the kids that didn't. I was bored to tears. I hadn't really thought about why popcorn popped as it did. Maybe I did. I might have learned something that day. But mostly I thought to myself, as we all listened intently to the popcorn kernels pop, why am I sitting in this grade two desk with my baby on my lap listening to popcorn pop and calling that science? Why am I not doing stuff like this at home? So how do you incorporate play into your day? Well, that took me a while because my goal was always do whatever the school was doing until I learned that actually play when I'm fully engaged in whatever activity is right before me and I actually want to be, fully engages my brain. And there is some source, that root of who you really are, that I think is rooted in play. That the things that you love the most, the things that you're naturally doing, wouldn't it be ideal, an ideal world and certainly an ideal life, if you could somehow capture that play into your work? so that it felt like you were playing all day? Well, I'll tell you, that was not my strong suit for a very, very long time. But the reason I got pushed towards approaching a lot of learning that way is because um, it's easier. It's easier. Try forcing a kid to do something they hate. Oh, wait, you do know that feeling, don't you? You know that experience? Me too. I'm going to talk about the ins and outs of child-led learning. 
I don't ascribe to any one homeschool philosophy. I know I just probably sound like I do, but I have borrowed from all sorts of homeschool philosophies. Or I've learned later on that I was actually participating in a Montessori approach or a Waldorf approach or many approaches that I knew I was engaging in at the time. And I think they all have value. There are beautiful things in all the different philosophies. At the very base, I think it's counterintuitive to try to give an education to someone when they just don't want to learn something when they are almost gravitationally opposed to being something that they're not. Like trying to force someone to be from a different culture and say, well, I know you were born in Canada, but I want you to harness your inner Ghanaian. It's a bit of a challenge. So rather than trying to force them to become something they're not, actually start with who they actually are. That's why I want to focus towards the ins and outs of child-led learning. We're going to talk about homeschool practicalities like morning routines. You've heard me say this before, that morning routines really do set your day. I believe that when you show up for yourself first, then you can establish how you're going to engage the rest of your day. So if that means for you that you're going to pray and do devotions, or you're going to do some meditation and do some yoga, you're going to journal we're all going to journal, aren't we? And you're going to journal about your gratitudes. You're going to journal about your actual feelings you're having in the moment. And you're going to reframe those feelings. You're going to have mindful moments in the beginning of the day. Or you're going to shower or a bath or neither. Or you're going to get out of yoga pants or not. Or you're going to brush your teeth or put on makeup or not. Or you're going to read something inspirational, go for a walk, go for a run or not. Whatever it is, it needs to serve your soul as you start your day, preferably before you're engaging your kids fully. And I know how hard that is because I started in homeschooling in a place that really didn't want to do a morning routine. In fact, my oldest said she reminded me that she brought a cup of coffee to me to my bedside to say, hey, mom, want to do homeschooling now? Because I had a really hard time waking up in the morning when I really hadn't gone to sleep much earlier. And I'd had kids that were waking up in the night, who were sleeping with me. I'd been sleepless for, you know, a while having four kids. It's a demanding season of our parenting lives, the earlier years, demanding on our sleep, because it's probably demanding the entire way through, actually. I was tired. So someone telling me at that time, you need to create a morning routine was a little unrealistic. And so if you are in that place, I feel you. I know exactly where you were at. I almost experience it. I almost imagine it like it was yesterday. However, the goal is to create your own separate morning routine so that you can figure out how you want to show up in your day intentionally. And now that I'm perimenopausal, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning all the time. So all I need now is a baby and I can conquer the world. What did I just say? Okay. So morning routines. Also, individualized homeschool routines. Homeschool routines that actually serve your family, including the things in your day that you actually want to do, not just because other homeschool families are doing them or they sound cool. I'd love poetry tea time. I think that's super fun. But... 
my kids really don't like poetry that much, so I'm just going to have to accept the fact that keeping this in a regular aspect of our homeschool routine is just not realistic. But there are many different elements, things that really are meaningful to me that I want to include in my homeschool routine. We all can choose what we put in our days. We're going to talk about homeschool rooms or storage rooms. We're going to talk about homeschool planners and record books. We're going to talk about all the things that, you know, all the homeschool moms want to bring home, like a cool chalkboard and desks and all that stuff that looks so cool on Pinterest or their Instagram page. And I'm totally down for it. I love watching it. And you totally don't need it. But we're going to have a discussion about that. And even curriculum, three guidelines to choosing homeschool curriculum or resources, guidelines that overarch why you would choose to borrow, purchase, or exchange stuff that you've got with another friend, or why you'd go on a Facebook thread to search out some books or some resources that other people thought were cool. We're going to give you five suggestions to actually choosing to buy it. Of course, we're going to talk about how to actually engage your kids in your homeschool, whether they're toddlers or teenagers, whether you've got one or four. Because beyond four, I don't know what it's like to have more than four. You can become the expert, though, and I know that you can engage more than one child with a variety of principles that I've used in my homeschool. We're going to talk about motivation and boredom. Motivation. Hmm. That word just scares the pants off of parents that have teenagers, doesn't it? And boredom. Mom, I'm bored. There are ways to approach that beyond saying, and I have a dirty bathroom. And though I think it's hilarious that most homeschool moms go that way, and I certainly have myself, I tend to go a little more philosophical and say, you know, honey, that experience of boredom is really valuable to you because it's just an opportunity to jump off that diving board so that you can pursue some other learning opportunity. You can go down some other interest. And do you know what they do? They get as bored with this conversation as they are with their boredom. And last, but most definitely not least, we are going to anticipate and plan for the homeschool challenges. You know, for those days, those days that you fill in the blank. You know those days. We're going to address and hopefully equip you with an answer when you get the question about socialization. How should you approach the S question? And if you don't know what the S question is, are you really a homeschooler? We're going to talk about pressure cooker days. Those pressure cookers could come in a variety of forms. Pandemic, a job loss, an illness, a death, a separation, or a divorce. So many possibilities. How do you engage homeschooling when you're having pressure cooker seasons? We're definitely going to grapple with doubt and overwhelm. Probably two of the most common discussion points that I have with homeschool parents. But certainly there are a few more, like loneliness, that feeling of not good enough, feeling like you're not communal, that you don't have a community surrounding you that's really supportive, 
you know, that perfectionism challenge. There are so many other possibilities here, and I talk about a lot of those in my homeschool mama retreat, but we're just going to address two, grappling with doubt and grappling with overwhelm. But we're going to discuss the strategy that actually can help all these challenges. It's a strategy that I first was introduced to by Dr. Daniel Amen, the author of Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. He's a medical doctor that is new, does new research in brain scans and has learned all sorts of things about our brains. Above all the things that we can do to influence our brain health and our relationships and our general sense of happiness, it is in checking our thoughts. It is about us accepting that we have uncomfortable feelings. Some people call them negative, you know, like anger sadness, depression, frustration, all the stuff, all those uncomfortable feelings. You can call them negative, but I'm going to call them uncomfortable because I think that we are human beings designed to experience them. We were meant to experience them. And because we were meant to experience them, we need to accept them. And if we're accepting them, we go a long way in dealing with what's going on up here. When we accept our feelings and sit with them and explore really is what is going on under there? What is our thought behind that feeling? If we get clear on what the thought is, we can do one of two things. We can learn to reframe that thought because sometimes those thoughts are just not true or we can address the underlying need that's fueling that thought. So I'm going to go into a lot more depth about that because I actually think that that is one of the biggest strategies that has helped me create the Charmed Homeschool. It's the thing that is the biggest strategy. It's the biggest strategy of all the strategies that influences relationships, actual activity in my life, and joy. We're going to talk about what you need, what you need to do in order to show up for you in your homeschool to nurture the nurturer. Because if you want to do this homeschool thing for the long term or even for a few months, you need to factor in you and all the things that you might need along the way. When I suggest that we can capture our charmed homeschool lives, I don't want you to think that we can create perfection because I don't believe we can create perfection. In fact, I've tried. I know that we can't create perfection. But I have used these elements to form and fashion a charmed homeschool life. I'm going to help you begin or sustain your homeschool journey. And together, we're going to build your confidence, enable you to engage your kids in this home education and an individualized approach, help you take care of you so that you can show up the way that you want to show up. So if you are interested in joining the upcoming capturing the Charmed Homeschool Mentoring Group, contact me and I will give you more information. I am really looking forward to meeting you, getting to know you better and digging deep so that we can figure out how we can address the challenges that you actually have and turn them into your charms. I appreciate the kind words that you have offered me after engaging in the Homeschool Mama Retreat. I appreciate the kind words that I've received from you from my courses, from my podcast, from my retreat. 
Heather told me I feel like you know me, although we've never met, and you offered helpful suggestions to rejuvenate and equip any homeschool mom in whatever stage she might find herself. Anique said, oh my goodness, I actually just listened to your seminar session twice, once to take a few notes and once just to close my eyes and listen. I can't wait for your podcasts to start. Cheryl said, your retreat has called me from my anxiety and whirling world to pause, breathe, and see who I am, who I have been, but didn't even realize. I enjoyed your candor, your laughter, your caring, and your insights. You have allowed the experiences that have challenged you to be the catalyst to helping others. It has helped me to see that if I'm not mindful of myself and my needs as an individual within my family and community, I am going to struggle with encouraging and allowing those around me to be themselves to take care of themselves. This retreat is for anyone who has lost sight of themselves in the midst of living a busy life and wants to refocus on what is truly important. I hope all of your retreats bear fruit that breathes life into deflated women like me changing their defeat into delight once again, or for the first time. I told you at our first session that I was looking for hope, and the tools unpacked in this retreat have most definitely given me hope. And Brittany shared, I recommend this retreat for everyone. I've been making my way through your retreat and loving it. Your voice has a very soothing quality. It has been a special time, Teresa. You are a gift with the best humor. I am so blown away by the care you take to really get to know who you are mentoring and talking with. It is so rare these days. Well, I can tell you that I am looking forward to connecting with you. So I hope you can join me in the upcoming Capturing the Charmed Homeschool Mentoring Group. 